Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is October 1st, 2020. Hard to believe. Only a few more months, folks, we can get through this. 2020. What a year. Well, I'm real excited. Today is Thursday. You're listening to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And we're so happy to be broadcasting up in Virginia on the Lighthouse and in Meridian, Mississippi, on WMAR, and here in Florida on uh, The Truth, and up in Folkestone, Georgia, on The Truth. So thank you for joining. And, uh, man, a lot has been going on this year. A lot has happened, and I am so glad today to welcome not only uh, our brother from California, Mr. Daryl Harrison, but our brother from Omaha, I think he's Omaha, Virgil Walker, uh, they do a podcast called Just Thinking, and uh, we've had Daryl on before. We couldn't get Virgil, but uh, I think we got him on the line now. Welcome to SWAT Radio, guys. Uh, Steve, I don't have any sound. I, 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 are you guys there? Yes. Okay, I heard somebody. Is that Daryl or Virgil? Daryl. That was that was Daryl. This is Virgil. All right, we got you both there. So welcome to SWAT Radio. How are you guys doing? Doing great. All right, it's good. You can talk over each other. That's fine because I can't see you. We're in three different places. We got. I can. Uh, <laughs> I can barely hear Virgil. Okay. Do you have music going on in the background there, Daryl? I do not. I thought that was your music. No. 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 No, no, no. Uh, I, sometimes we get bleed over from another station um, because of the studio we're in here. Is is? Uh, do you have the bleed, or is it? Is it? Do you hear music now? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hearing hollow notes. Steve. He's healing hot. Yeah, Steve. We need to get the music down. How about now? Okay, there we go. All right, good. Now that should make it better. Sorry for that, guys. Hey, I am excited to have you both on, Virgil. We did not get to have you on last time, and I wish that we could have got you on after Oklahoma won instead of uh, – <laughs> uh, um, I know that's a big downer for you, and you've been really struggling through that, and your brother Daryl has been Absolutely. helping you through that time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, well, Daryl, you First call him goes. Omaha, right? Is that is that because he's from Omaha? Well, he, he's not originally a native of Omaha, but that's where he resides right now. So yeah, yeah. that's why that's why I call him Omaha. Yeah. Okay, so I hear you on your podcast. Well, Daryl, since you've been on last, um, you you would have thought after he had you on last, we talked about George Floyd and everything going on there, that um, things might have gotten better, but it has just continued to go downhill. And you guys just dropped a podcast about uh brianna taylor up in louisville and i've been kind of following that it was a great podcast by the way i appreciate uh a lot of the scriptures you brought out but some of our listeners are not familiar with uh your broadcast maybe um just thinking i'll start with you daryl and then virgil i'll let you pick up daryl uh tell us how just thinking got started 
Yeah, so Just Thinking is sort of a, a ministry that has two primary aspects. The older and initial aspect of that ministry was a blog that I started back in 2012. I titled the blog Just Thinking for Myself, and the reason I titled it that way because it was really sort of an overt commentary to a stereotypical view that many people have that all black people think alike. We think alike, we vote alike, uh, so I titled it Just Thinking for Myself as a direct, overt, antithetical uh, argument against that stereotype. So the blog has been around since 2012. Now, Virgil and I came together uh, in 2017 to launch the Just Thinking podcast. Now, the reason we named the Just Thinking podcast after the blog is because the podcast is, uh, is sort of an extension of you know the worldview that that I expressed on the blog. Uh, so you have two different mediums. One side is the blog, one side is the podcast. But we launched the podcast in December of 2017. So we've been doing it now together close to three years. And uh, just to list a couple of the last few episodes, uh, Brianna Taylor and the Gospel, you just dropped on the 30th. Back on the 15th, you dropped Church of BLM, which I want to talk about in a minute because I thought that's interesting. And then you talked about before that Black Lives Matter back in August. and But all of them, uh, even going back to July, where you talk a biblical exposition of white culture, all these, you deal with things that are very much at the forefront of what's going on. And I just really encourage people to tune in. Go to justthinking.me, justthinking.me, and you can read the blogs there. You can also listen to the podcast. Well, Virgil, you I've listened to you go back and forth with, uh, with uh, you know, uh, Daryl, not just about Oklahoma football, but uh, about other things. And... You know, I didn't get a chance to really talk to you last time. Uh, What have you experienced in Omaha? California is very different than Omaha. What have you experienced in Omaha as the summer went through Floyd and now Breonna Taylor and and these tragedies that have happened? It's been been interesting. It's been an interesting dynamic because um, normally news, you know, news kind of filters – East Coast, West Coast, so you guys get out in California, the East Coast kind of picks, picks it up, and you see these things kind of flame out in those two spaces. And then for the most part, uh, in, in the Midwest, we're kind of untouched. Well, with, with the George Floyd thing happening in Minneapolis, uh, this thing just kind of had a, had a match point where we were experiencing some of the same sorts of expressions, people um, in the streets, uh, protesters, uh, get growing violence and the like. And so it, it caught a lot of folks here in the Midwest by surprise. And so it, they were having to now deal with stuff that they only viewed from afar, uh, potentially being in their, in, in their neighborhood, in their living room. And so it forced the hand of near about everybody to pay closer attention to the issues, to have a deeper understanding of what's going on. But, and, and I, and I think more importantly for, the Christian to, to have a biblical answer for what we're facing and, and for how we address these issues. So that's been that's been a been an experience that has been uh, interesting because it's it's really provided Daryl and I with the podcast an opportunity to to kind of enter that space. I was I've, I've shared with Daryl it's been fun to do the podcast with him for for two years, 
because, you know, when, whenever I would go, whenever I'd meet him out in California, uh, you know, folks would say, hey, I love you guys' work, love what you're doing. We'd be there at Grace Community Church, uh, the, the, the church of John MacArthur and GTY. And so I, we, we would, I'd be out there and folks would know us. Or we'd be closer to the, you know, southeast in Atlanta and people would know us. And for the most part, I'd come home and be in pretty much anonymity. Nobody <laughs> has had a clue who I was or, or, or anything with regard to the podcast, which has been fine. But it's been interesting as, as, as the circumstances and situations have unfolded over the course of the last, you know, number of months. Uh, more and more folks are coming to me saying, hey, I listen to the podcast. What you and Daryl are saying is incredibly helpful, and appreciate the biblical perspective that you all take on these issues. Well, the last time you were on, Daryl, you opened my eyes to some of the Marxist and anti-biblical views of the Black Lives Matter organization that I wasn't aware of. And uh, recently I went back to their website to show somebody and they completely changed their website now as far as the about. Are you familiar with now what's happened and how they've kind of sanitized it? Yeah, sanitized is a good word uh, for what they did. I would like to be able to say that the six hours of content that Virgil and I produced in the in two of our previous three podcast episodes had a lot to do with that. But I can't definitively say that. But when you talk about the Marxist influences of that organization, Doug, that's one reason why we did two consecutive episodes on Black Lives Matter. We talked, we titled rather the first podcast episode, Black Lives Matter with a question mark. And in that episode, that's episode number 102 for folks who are going to our website to listen online. But the reason we titled that episode the way we did and the ground that we covered there was we gave sort of a structural organizational overview of how Black Lives Matter is structured. We talk about the three co-founders of the organization, Patrice Colors, Opal Tometi, and Alicia Garza, and how out of their own mouths they are professed to be, quote, trained Marxists, unquote. And then we go to several sources to give our listeners an overview of what the ideology rather, of Marxism entails. We go back to theological sources, secular sources to describe how the philosophy of Marxism uh, identifies uh, to the letter the objectives and goals that Black Lives Matters has, specifically as it relates to deconstructing or literally tearing down the Judeo-Christian capitalistic uh, society that uh, we uh, live in here in America in the present day, and replacing that with a Marxist, communist, socialist economy and, and governance model um, that forces everyone into a, a, a material, uh, a society of material equity where everyone is equally poor is what that's going to result in. Uh, in episode 103, uh, where we titled it the Church of BLM, BLM being short for Black Lives Matter, Virgil does a brilliant job at basically examining how the culture today, especially in America, has basically bowed down to the Black Lives Matter agenda. You, you look at how professional sports leagues are now uh, wearing uh, uh, Black Lives Matter's uh, lapels and 
T-shirts, and uh, especially in the NBA, you've got Black Lives Matters. Well, and I, and hey, and I want to I want to get into that after our break. We got to go to a quick break, but when I come back, Virgil, I want you to pick up on that and talk about how are we to respond to the NBA, the NFL, as they do that because. That's an interesting question that I think you guys could give some insight. You're listening to SWAT Radio. We'll be right back. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.astore.com. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. This is Doug McCary with Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker of the Just Thinking for Myself podcast. And we were just talking, and I'm sorry to cut you off, uh, Daryl. We had to go to that break. But I want to bring uh, Virgil in to ask this question uh, or answer this question about the BLM. One of the things that's been hard is the BLM movement has kind of come in and people are using it almost as a weapon that if you don't support that in fact i've talked to people who actually were very supportive of efforts for police reform and trying to be sympathetic to um, you know what happened to george floyd and uh, even brianna taylor just the tragedy of it but they were bullied when they wouldn't join the blm protest or not have a blm sticker on their car or a BLM shirt that somebody was trying to push them to have. And, and can you differentiate, uh, let me ask this as somebody who is, um, has less melanin in my skin than you do. Uh, how do you respond to that? Because people say that if you don't support BLM, then you're a racist, you know? Right. Well, I, 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 I do so first by setting up kind of the situation as to why that's taking place, right? You've got, you've got in the, in the black community, you've got 71% of, of, of boys born are born to single mothers. So a lot of these young, young boys are being raised by single mothers without a father who, who doesn't have, you know, there's, there's no authoritative figure in the home. So these men, young men, are being raised by their mothers pr- primarily 
who are getting into the NBA and into the NFL. Uh, the NBA uh, is uh, someone in the neighborhood. The last figure I looked at was about 74% black. The NFL, 70% black. So what you have are, are black boys having been raised by their mothers who respond incredibly emotionally. They're in a, they're in a passion-filled sport, right, who are not listening to logic and reason. The reason why I set those statistics and I give you the backdrop of the single-parent home is to show you that these men who are a big part of sport are being raised in environments where they're, where they're trained to respond from an emotive standpoint. So when you speak of things like, like identifying logical ideas, rational thinking, unfortunately, and that doesn't, I'm not speaking for all, but unfortunately the vast majority of them are not operating that way. They've been steeped with backgrounds filled with, with cultural Marxism, with black liberation theology in their church environments, if they're a part of church at all, uh, and, and, and it's part of the milieu of the black community. All of that is the backdrop for what you're experiencing. So when, when, you, when you make the statement like you do, well, hey, everybody has a mindset about George Floyd. Everybody thought that that was, that was a tragedy. Everybody thought that Breonna Taylor was tragic. The, the reality is most everybody did, but that's not how these men are responding. The owners of these teams are forced because of the nature of, their, of the employees that they have, if you will, that the players that they have, they are forced as a result to respond in like manner. So that's why you're seeing Black Lives Matter on, on, on the courts, why you're seeing the things on the helmets, because these men know, the owners know, that in order to keep things going and functioning, they have to capitulate to these ideas. It's not that they suddenly woke up yesterday and, and felt this rush of, 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 of affinity for what's going on in the, in the quote-unquote black community any more than they did yesterday, but they realize in order to accommodate these players, they're going to have to bow the knee to Black Lives Matter. And because of the nature of the religion that's being practiced by these men, and we laid the case out in, in, in episode 103 in our podcast, because of what's happening as a result of that, everyone else who does not bow the knee to this new American religion, Black Lives Matter, will be ostracized and dealt with in the manner that you suggested. Well, and, you know, I, I don't know if you saw the debacle, I mean, the debate the other night uh, where they were talking about um, things uh, about, you know, uh, you know, ethnic prejudice and stuff like that. And a question was asked about why uh, our president put out to stop the sensitivity training. And, you know, uh, it, very high levels in our government, in the military and uh, law enforcement, that basically they were taking the, the stuff from White Fragility, which is a book written by Robin DiAngelo, uh, and trying to tell people that why it's so hard to, for white people to talk about racism. And a lot of that stuff actually spreads, I think, further racism. And I wonder, I don't know if you've read the book or I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it, a lot of it deals with critical theory or critical race theory. Daryl, could you speak to that a little bit? I mean, like, uh, have you read that book at all? Are you are you familiar with that at all? I'm familiar with the book, but I will not read the book because basically white fragility is pretty much just regurgitating a lot of the narrative that have already been pub that has already been published in past years by social justice advocates. So Robert D'Angelo really isn't projecting anything new uh, as it relates to her messages, as, as, as it relates to the content of her book and the message that she is espousing. She's just doing it under a different banner. Uh, you know, white fragility, white guilt, it's all the same thing. So, no, I've not read the book, but I'm familiar with the narrative 
of it. Uh, but back to the, the point about uh, what President Trump said, his, his executive order uh, to uh, basically cease uh, uh, the uh, propagation of critical race theory in government institutions, uh, the first thing I'd like your listeners to know is that uh, critical race theory is not diversity sensitivity training, okay? Uh, now, you could argue that critical race theory is diversity sensitivity training in that it makes people sensitive to hate other religions, other ethnicities, rather, hate people or, and, and deepen their disdain that people may already have from what, for, for people who are of a certain ethnicity. That's what critical race theory does. It, by definition, divides people. Okay, so President Trump did exactly the right thing. Now, my saying that is not to be taken as a tacit endorsement for the man or his campaign. I'm just saying in the context of what critical race theory is and what it is designed to do, Mm -hmm. he did the right thing by not using taxpayer dollars to promote and advocate for that uh, for the message that critical theory espouses. He, He absolutely did the right thing. Well, a lot of believers, what I would say professing believers, have not only bought into the BLM movement, but critical race theory as well. And, you know, that the term woke, they use that term out there. They, they woke. And you address that a lot in the Breonna Taylor um, interview. And I don't know if it, either you or Virgil One would mind sharing a little bit about um, – some of the things you shared about all people having the image of God and, and this new movement to seek vengeance, not justice and how you kind of unpack that because the BLM movement, there was a a leader up in New York of the BLM movement who said black sovereignty by any means necessary. Well, when I hear that, I'm like, what does that mean? That's what he said on national television black sovereignty by any means necessary so how it could any believer align themselves with that i i, I just don't I, understand i'll let, I'll, I'll let, I'll let daryl was actually really emphatic about that on our brianna taylor episode i really want him to speak to that with specificity if you don't mind daryl yeah, yeah, I'll be glad to verse things. I think that we need to kind of break down your question, Doug, in the segments. Number one, that that uh, that uh, the person, that Black Lives Matter leader in New York, uh, what he's saying when he's advocating for black sovereignty. Listen, that is an age-old demand that 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 uh, uh, extremely left black sociopolitical thinkers have been advocating all the way back since the days of James Cone in the 60s. Uh, you know, this is nothing. You know, so when you talk about uh, people who are, who are associated with BLM, either directly or indirectly, what you have, what people have to understand is that there are multiple layers to that organization. And every single layer is antithetical to any professing Christian who holds to a biblical worldview. There is nothing. I mean that literally. There is not one iota of the Black Lives Matter agenda and worldview that is compatible with biblical Christianity. So there is no excuse for any professing Christian. And I like that you use that that qualifier there, Doug. Hmm. I'm having to use that word a lot more often these days. (laughs) Professing Christian. There is no reason for any professing believer, no excuse whatsoever, 
to be associated with Black Lives Matter to any degree, because when you study what they believe, I'm not saying listen to what they say. You have to study what they believe, because what they say is rooted in their beliefs. Okay, so you cannot separate the two. So, so when, when someone says, well, we want black sovereignty, that is, that is decades old. That comes out of the 60s era with James Coe's uh, liberation theology, and Black Lives Matters is just a, a new type of gift wrap on an old present. It's just an old box, just a new gift wrapping paper. Well, the thing that struck me is he said that statement right after t- saying that I love my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and you yeah. know, and and Jesus, you know, was always presented as this white European guy. And he was black. And then he pushed the host who was interviewing him to say, you believe Jesus was not white, right? And she said he was Middle Eastern. And he said, I want you to say he's not white. It was just a real drive in there. And I was just like, um, I, 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 I hear hurt. <laughs> I hear there's, there's obviously, but there's also an agenda there. And one of the things you said in your podcast, uh, Virgil, was that people demanding uh, really vengeance, not justice, Uh, you know, they're demanding. No, I'm I'm with you. I I, I think that and and I so respect and your kindness um, when you say you hear hurt. Uh, and, And I think I think that's the that's the response. Of the of the average white evangelical, when they hear someone respond in that way, they think, "Man, this this person has been hurt." I I, I don't I don't hear hurt. Uh, more times than not, I hear rage, uh, I hear anger, I hear hatred, I hear an opportunity that that is being used and leveraged to uproot structures and systems built upon a Judeo-Christian foundation. And so I think I think we I think we we not in in well intentioned. And, and naive to understand the root of this thing. This is ethnic hatred run amok. This is, a, this, and, and to the point we made during our Brianna Taylor episode, this is not a. This is not about. Uh, this, this is not about tr- trying to right wrong. This is not about justice. This is about vengeance. This is about an opportunity that they that those who hold to the Black Lives Matter movement they now see this as their opportunity to overturn the Judeo-Christian capitalist structure that we have for their own purpose. They desire to remake the order of creation and the image that they see fit. And for them, saying something like black sovereignty actually Hey, Verge. Hey, Verge. Hold on to that. We're going to be right back after. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose. Right now, right now, I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. But right now, oh, right now, I just can't. It's easy to say when there's nothing to Say when I'm held to the flame like I am. 
Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. Hey, if you're just tuning in to SWAT Radio, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And you can find out more by going to www.swatradio.com. And we're uh, talking today with our brothers out in Omaha and California, Virgil Walker in Omaha and Daryl Harrison out in California. Daryl is out there with grace to you. And um, we were talking with Virgil. Sorry, Virgil, I really didn't mean to cut you off. We just, that break came up really quick for the news. But I want to go back to what we were talking about, specifically the the some of the emotion. It was a great point I thought you made about um, emotional response. You know, sports breeds emotional responses anyway. People that play sports are typically very passionate when they're out there playing um, but I'd never thought about some of the things you shared, but I want to, I want to get into what you talked about on your podcast about how you made this statement. And I thought it was very telling for us to really reflect a little bit for people who might be woke, uh, pastors, leaders, Christians who may have been sucked up into this movement. Would you want to be tried on the basis of evidence or feelings in a court of law? And I think right now people are are not only tried and found guilty before they actually go to court and any evidence is presented, just merely on the announcement of a of a crime, an announcement of a wrongdoing, and people's lives are being ruined on Facebook and on social media. Uh, could you continue, Virgil, with that, and then maybe Daryl, you could weigh in. Yeah, I, I would just add to that by saying mob justice is no justice at all. Um, the idea that, that law is adjudicated on the basis of one's ethnicity, um, that, that, that will ruin a nation. Um, and, and we can't, we can't, we can't bow the knee to that based upon emotion, based upon what we see. And again, when you begin to go look at the evidence behind what some are saying, uh, is, is, is an all-out war against, against blacks. Some, some, um, stars, some, some basketball players, uh, are saying, you know, that they can't leave their home without, without being subject to, some form of, of, of racism or, or, or worse, some, some form of violence. Uh, the, the numbers don't bear that out. Uh, what they're seeing and hearing is, is, a, is a narrative that's being put forth uh, by the news, by media, uh, and the like. And we've got to be able to think more clearly. And in fact, I love the point that you made as, as you, were, you were kind of citing what we talked about during our episode, which is, A, mob justice is not justice, uh, and, and B, we, we've got to, we, we can't adjudicate uh, activity. We can't. We can't look at a at a situation, a circumstance, and determine guilt or innocence on the basis of the level of melanin that is in one's skin. Darrell, you got anything you want to add to that, brother? Yeah, I just want to add a point of clarification to something Doug said. It's not Doug that people are presumed uh, guilty, uh, be, you know, on social media and in the in the mainstream media. It's white people who are presumed guilty. Okay, black people are exempt. From that, and this is why I, I, I brought up the point in the Breonna Taylor episode. I mentioned the name of little uh, Sicoria Turner, an eight-year-old girl from my hometown, Atlanta, who was shot to death Fourth uh, of July weekend. Her and her family were just pulling into a Wendy's to try to grab something to eat, and they, they never made it to the drive-through because someone opened fire on their vehicle, and little Sicoria Turner, who was only eight years old, ended up dead. Are you, are you hearing any cries for justice for Sicoria Turner? No, you're not. 
most people who are listening to me right now probably never heard her name. I've never heard her name, and I'm pretty astute in the news. I can't believe I haven't heard her name. Exactly right. So so what Virgil is talking about is exactly right. You've got a subjective form of indignation that's being uh, perpetrated out there, demonstrated out there, on the basis of what color was the victim. First of all, now, was the victim black? Okay, yes, then I get angry. Was the perpetrator white? Yes, then I get angrier. Uh, then, then in, the, in that case, the victim's always innocent. The perpetrator's always guilty. And again, for any professing Christian, that's not that's not the justice that God looks for. The biblical justice is rooted in finding the truth. Well, first I got all, a question you know, for you guys based on what you're saying and your ahead. podcast. And I, I really want to hear from both of you on this. Do you believe if the police officers that had went into Breonna Taylor's apartment and Mr. Walker, who was in there, if they were all black police officers, that we would have seen what we saw in that case? Nope. I'll, 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 I'll talk absolutely. No hesitation. Yeah. I, 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 would, I would say absolutely, absolutely without, without hesitation. Any, 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 time, any time an officer is fired upon, they're going to respond uh, with, with the saving of their lives. I'm, I'm not going to allow someone to fire upon me and on the basis of, of the fact that the person who – who shot a weapon, who shot a, a firearm at me, was black. I'm not going to say, you know what, I guess I deserve that. Uh, I guess that was well, you know, that, that, that was well placed. I guess I'll stand down at the, at the cost of my life <laughs> because the person who shot the weapon was black. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. Well, I, the, the police, one of the police officers who was found, basically he wasn't charged. He was found to be justified in returning fire. He was a former Marine. I'm, you know, I was former Marine, so I was just paid particular attention when I saw that headline. And I'm like, I started reading the story. Him and his family's life has been totally upended because of what he did serving his community. There were people in those neighborhoods crying out to, for them to do something about drugs, uh, the drug problem and the violence problem. And that's what they were doing. And so he goes out and does his job. And now his life is ruined because somebody shot at him. And I was just curious because I listened to your podcast and I was wondering if you thought in one of the points you made, Virgil, as you read and you told me you scoured papers and news articles and you went local because a lot of times I'll give you a more un, not as biased as a national news. And even there, they said white police officers go in. They just didn't say police officers. They always specify. And doesn't that just stir it up more? Well, they at this point we're at a point in in in, in, the, in the culture context in which we're in where we have a Pavlovian dog response to white police officer, black victim. We we it's, you say those two words, and like Pavlov's dog, we respond in, in in a in a very particular and specific way. The rest of the culture responds not with a desire to go and examine the facts of what took place. But there's automatic, and we've been saying it this entire time, there's an automatic guilt and or innocence that's attached to saying white officer, black victim, black suspect. And so as, as a result, they, they know what they're doing when they write their stories, uh, and, and, it, and it's clear how we're to respond. And if we respond in any other way or manner, we are, we are then determined race. Well, you know, Daryl, you, you quoted from the book of Zechariah twice in that last podcast 
and you talk specifically about what God says our judgment should look like. And it's always with truth. And um, we've really kind of departed from that in our culture, haven't we? Yeah, we've departed. We've departed from that in the culture because we've departed from that in the church. Mm. Listen, the, the, the truth is that in society today, in, in, in uh, uh, especially in America, in the church in America, see the, the biblical Jesus is no longer enough. Okay, the, the Jesus that came into the world of his own volition to pay the penalty of, of suffering God's wrath that every single human being who has ever been conceived deserves, okay? Every single believer who God, according to 1 Corinthians one thirty, who God himself brought to faith in God through Christ, every single person deserves the wrath of God. But see, that, that Jesus isn't enough anymore. We've got to have social justice Jesus who gives us everything we want, we, where we don't suffer, we don't... Uh, lack any material, not just need, but any material desire that we have. So that we got to have that Jesus poured on top of everything. So when we look at uh, incidents like what happened to Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, uh, Ahmaud Arbery, any instance where the victim is black and the perpetrator is white, see the justice of the objective justice of Scripture goes totally out the window. No, I have to have my own brand of justice come to fruition in this situation, and if it doesn't, then that's injustice. You see, but in Zechariah and in other places in Scripture, obviously, the justice of God is objective. It doesn't care about how your feelings are. The justice of God is predicated upon the truth. That is why I like to say, uh, Doug, in the situation involving King Solomon and the two prostitute women who were before him arguing over whose baby it was, See, if that happened today, Solomon would have had to cut that baby in half. Because we dare not send one of those women away disappointed without a baby in her arms, will we? You know, it's just sad to me where you see people that are supposedly representing uh, an organization that says they value black lives cussing a black police officer to his face and spitting on him and you know, threatening him. And I'm just like, that should be so obvious to people in the church because we are supposedly, you know, led by the spirit. I mean, you don't even need the spirit to see the hypocrisy in that, but so many believers, Virgil are, are buying into this either out of guilt, um, or I don't know what it is, but I mean, it's all over. How, how are you addressing it in your church? We got about, uh, well, actually, we got about a minute before the break, and then we're going to come back for our last segment. Yeah, I'll, I'll start simply by saying that, that we've got to get back to Scripture. We've got to get back to the Word of God. We've got to get back to truth. And, and what's happened is we've, we've taken a pragmatic approach uh, and embraced pragmatism uh, in our churches. And, and the Bible is not supreme. Daryl alluded to it earlier by saying we, we, we've decided that, that the Bible's not sufficient, that the, that the Jesus of Scripture is not sufficient and that we need something in addition to those things in order to deal with and address what we what we encounter. Hmm. Well, Daryl, when we come back, and you too, Virgil, after Daryl, I'd like for you to both to kind of just give us some good moving forward counsel on how we can be sensitive and yet loving, not just to 
people of color, but all people, but specifically in light of our circumstances. Hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio. We'll be back for our last segment. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. SWAT Radio. This is Doug McCary, and I'm talking with Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker of the Just Thinking podcast. And I'm so glad you guys are here uh, to help us. You know, you there's articles everywhere in every form of media out there about uh, specifically for the church. And I, I really want this uh, Daryl and Virgil to be to believers from. I know you guys have spent a lot of time discussing these issues and there are legitimate desires from a lot of people to be sensitive and to help people who might be uh, inadvertently swept up in this vengeance based mindset. And so how do we build bridges? I mean, God is ultimately the one that does it, but how, what are some spiritual springboards for us? I know the truth of God's word is where we have to start, but practically every day, once we know those things, are there some specific things that uh, passages that come to your mind that we can, I know we're one race, uh, Daryl, you shared that last time from Acts 17, but is there other passages and then a uh, verge, if you could weigh on in on that too. Yeah, Doug, I think the first place I would start is that as believers, we all need to have a proper theology of evil. Okay, we, we need to remind ourselves that this is not heaven. Okay, this, this is a—we live in a Romans 5, 12 
world, okay? Mm-hmm. It says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. So we have to have a biblical homardiology of what happens in the world. When we see situations like uh, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, or any other uh, uh, situation where an image of image bearer of God is killed, we have to remind ourselves that we're seeing what we're supposed to see in a sinful world like this. But in, in, in saying that, let's also remind ourselves that God is omniscient, God is sovereign, just like it says in Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. And I'll wrap up with this and turn it over to, to, uh, to Virgil. 1 Timothy 5.24, uh, the sins of some will be judged in this life, but for others, their judgment will follow after. So as believers, we have to trust that God is going to remain true to his character, that he sees everything going on, and that one day he will make everything right either in this life or the next. Oh, that's good. All right, Verge? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, when I think about um, the, the importance of the, the centrality of the gospel, um, people say, well, you guys are always just saying preach the gospel, man. It, it, it begins there. But the gospel not only has, has implications, right, uh, of, of, of each one of us as a result of repenting of sin and placing our faith in Christ, there's implications to that. But there's application to the personal believers continuing walk with Christ. Um, Paul explains this and expresses this in, in, I mean, in crystal clear terms throughout Scripture, but in my mind, no more succinctly than he does throughout the book of Ephesians. By, by Ephesians chapter 4, he, he's saying that he is a, a prisoner of, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, not a prisoner of Rome, not a prisoner of, of, of men, but he's a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And then he urges us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Uh, he says in chapter 4, verse 2 of Ephesians, to do so with all humility and gentleness, and patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Uh, and, and then he goes on further at the, at, toward the end of the chapter to explain how important the role of the Church actually is. When he says in verse 11 that he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, what for what? Verse 12, to equip the saints for works of ministry, for building up the body, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, right? Verse 14, so that we may no longer be as children tossed to and fro by the winds and waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine. What we're seeing in our culture is another wind of doctrine that is seeping into the Church, and the Church because of the fact that we don't have exactly what Daryl talked about, having an understanding of evil, knowing that what we're we are not to bring about utopia on the earth. That is the, that is the act of God when he when he make when he, he he restores all things and makes them new again. That is the role of, of God through His Son Jesus Christ to bring us His kingdom. That is not our role. In the meantime, while we're here, we're to walk in a manner worthy of the call that that we were called uh, Christward as a result of what Christ did on the cross. We're to walk out the gospel in ways where we have unity with one another, where we treat one another with, with peace and respectfulness, not on the basis of ethnicity, but on the basis of that we are all believers in one Christ, in one gospel. We are part of one body. Wow. Thank you, thank you Virg. That is, that is a good word. And I just got an email from one of our listeners that uh, said, uh, I just listened to the Brianna Taylor as I was riding my bike this morning. And I especially appreciated Virgil closing his closing prayer 
that included prayers for Elios and their families. This segment of folks always seems to get lost in the discussion. And, you know, one of the things, uh, Daryl, Scripture calls uh, people who do what they do ministers. They're called ministers. Only, I think, you know, the, <laughs> the priest and the people who bear the sword are called ministers in Scripture, Romans 13. And that segment of folks does get lost a lot over the the shuffle, you know, of all this emotion and all this stuff. And just speak to a second to that, because there's a lot of law enforcement guys that listen, I know, and, and they, they do get lost and, and they're, they're servings, they're servants, and we should respect them and, and pray for them. Yeah, you know what's interesting, Doug, that word ministers that appears in Romans 13, 4, where Paul writes for it is a minister, speaking of government and those who are in those positions of authority, that it is a minister of God to you for good. There's twice in that verse Paul uses the word minister. Your listeners may be, they may find it interesting to know that the Greek word for minister there is the same Greek word that we get for deacon. That means that that word minister is a Greek word diakonos. That's where we get the word deacon. And what does a deacon mean? A deacon means one who serves. Mm-hmm. One who serves. So when you look at the motto of many uh, law enforcement agencies around the country, their motto is what? To protect and, and serve. Mm-hmm. To protect and minister. You can look at that biblically now. I'm not trying to make uh, uh, law enforcement agencies into some sort of ecclesiastical <laughs> entity, but I'm just trying to say in the biblical context, these are people who are in positions uh, to serve, to serve us for our good. But at the same time, as Paul makes clear in Romans 13, if we do evil, then those entities, they don't bear the sword for nothing. Okay, but this is a part of God's created order, to have entities whereby uh, individuals who are in positions of authority can enforce the law as a demonstration of God's common grace to everyone so that evil is restrained. And let's remember... The laws exist to protect us from one another, okay? Mm-hmm. The laws exist to protect me as a sinner from other sinners, mm-hmm. okay? So we want to pray for those who are law enforcement officers that God would grant them, number one, especially those who are not uh, believers, to come to faith in Christ, but even those who are believers, that God would, number one, protect them and give them a heart to serve, give them a heart to abide by their oath, because wearing a badge doesn't mean uh, it's not a commentary on the condition of the person's heart, okay? Mm -hmm. That that just means you wear a badge. If you swore an oath to protect and serve doesn't mean that you will always do that. So we need uh, men and women out there who who are submissive in their hearts and minds to the will of the Holy Spirit and see themselves, first of all, as servants of God as they serve the community. Well, um Daryl, that, that is a good word, and I want to give you guys one last minute each to kind of closing thoughts here for people out there who are really struggling with the, all the cultural stuff going on, uh, who call themselves Christians, who who are feeling kind of out of the loop or not knowing what to do. They just, they're just done. Any closing words there, Virgil? But, you know, I... I get where people are. It's incredibly frustrating to kind of look at what's happening in the culture. But, but man, we, we have the hope 
of, of being in Christ. And we've got to stick with that hope. We find that hope in the Word of God, being encouraged by other believers. Uh, with all that's going on, I will tell you, I'm incredibly encouraged and hopeful uh, because of things like the Just Thinking podcast, because of opportunities to fellowship with other believers. And, and, and with the popularity, even with, with the show, I'm, I'm witnessing something very specific, and that is that there are a lot more people who are hungry for truth than what we realize. Mm-hmm. We get emails often from people who say, hey, you know, I've, until, until I ran across your podcast, I didn't know that others thought this way. Uh, the, the reality is there is a huge silent majority, but the reality is we can't continue to, to, to remain silent any longer. We have to share truth in love uh, in a way that gives God glory and honor. Mm, that's a good word. Daryl, one minute. Yeah, and, and just real quick, just, just situations like, like what we've been discussing here, uh, it's just a reminder, you know, there's a reason why uh, the Christian life is described as a life of carrying a cross. Okay, we, we, we are cross-bearers, okay? We carry our cross. We're not pillow sleepers, okay? We're not lazy boy uh, nappers. We carry a cross, and, and, and sometimes that cross means uh, uh, in, enduring uh, the, the evil that is going to be a fruit of a world that is entrenched in sin. First uh, John five nineteen. the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. But we have to be able to keep our minds and hearts, as it says in Colossians 3, uh, focused on what's above, not what's on earth, knowing that Christ loves us and that he's going to make everything right one day when he comes back. Well, thank you guys both for joining us. That's Daryl Harrison, Dean of Social Media at Grace to You on California, Virgil Walker, the discipleship pastor at Westside Church in Omaha. They have Just Thinking podcasts. Just go to justthinking.me, not only to listen, but to support these guys, the number one Christian podcast in the country. And let's get more people out there listening to it because they're biblical and they love the Lord. Thank you guys for joining us today on SWAT Radio. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Doug. Thanks for having me. Hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio. If you want to listen to this or any past program, go to www.swatradio.com, and you can uh, click on past programs. We'll be back tomorrow with more SWAT Radio. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual